Hello, everyone, and welcome to Chai with Rai. Hi, I'm your host, Rai, and each week I bring you a guest or a fruitful message from the creative industry, all while sipping and spilling some hot chai and discussing, of course, all things life and culture surrounding the creative industry. Now, if you haven't done so, make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. If you love this podcast and are listening to this on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Audible, or wherever you stream your podcasts from, if you could do me a kind favor and make sure to rate. The podcast and share it on your stories, on your social, and spread the word. It organically grows the show and connects us with listeners who haven't tuned in before. And overall, as I always say, it just shares the love. Now, before we get into the episode, I'm really excited to announce this: that Chai with Rai is now officially on Patreon. I know that was a short-lived、um, drum roll. Maybe I should have done a little bit more, but I'm really excited about this because I wanted to grow Chai with Rai, grow the community, get more creatives involved, get more people involved, and this is just that. For those of you who do not know what Patreon is, Patreon is a place where you can, as a, a podcaster, earn money or earn subscriptionship, 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 and basically monetize your platform. So you can release exclusive content. You can offer certain services. So, like, let's say if you're a director, maybe doing A podcast. You can offer workshops. You can offer mentorship, and there's lots of people that do lots of different things. And I'm starting off with a tier one package, which is called a single shot. Garak Jai, and what you'll get for this single shot of Garak Jai is a shout out in the show of your comments and of yourself. Hopefully, I can get you on as well, which will be really fantastic. But that will just like you know what I mean, create that special little connection between us. And I'll be releasing exclusive content, so you will get exclusive visuals and soundbites to the show, not published. Anywhere else, not on Instagram, not on TikToks, not on Twitters, not on Flitters, not on YouTube, nowhere else but on Patreon, and that will be ten of those a month. You will also get a twenty-four hour link to the unedited video version of the show, and you will also get two more things. You will get a preview of the new episode twenty-four hours before it goes live, as well as the exclusive opt-ins to any of the guests that have come on and their projects. So, for example, let's say if we've had a writer on or a director on, and there's A casting call happening. I'll share it on that exclusively to you. We will also share if there are any doing workshops, if they have any sneak peeks to the new projects. I'll be sharing all of that as well. So it'll be a great way for us to do things, and this is a great way to extend the show because I really want to be doing live events more, where we have like a back and forth with the audience a little bit. Do you know what I mean? Like we have a guest on. We also have audiences. We also do networking events. We also do like workshops. This will be a great way to start building that, and I'm really really excited. About that, and I forgot to say that all of this, by the way, if you deal with dollar currency, it is going to be a five dollars and fifty cent membership package. Or if you're in Great Britain, I don't know what the accent is, but just go with it. It's going to be five pounds a month. So I really look forward to growing the community. I really would love it if you post some questions as well for the guests, so I can like ask them and spice things up and create that personable relationship. That'll be really fun to do that. But enough of that. I will put all of the information of the Patreon, so you can become a supporter, a patron of Chai with Rai. Maybe I'll start doing maybe some job packages. Hmm. A thought, thought, a thought. Hmm. Food for thought. Maybe I'll do that. 
that would be really cool. If there's any char companies out there, get in touch with me and let's do this. Let's go on this journey together. Now we are back. I know it's been a while. This is your Karak Chai batch number two, where we celebrate all things theater, film, series, podcasts, and I have now added books because I recently joined a book club and I'm not going to lie, I'm trying to do this thing where I don't stay on my phone at the end of the night and I don't do the first thing when I wake up in the morning, go on my phone and I just want to read more. I want to read more plays, I want to read more books and I feel like there's something much more nourishing about it and it kind of gets me off the head. Now, I don't know if you're out there and kind of do this thing when a book isn't interested, interesting, when a book isn't interesting or you're kind of just like, in just spaces let's just say in your head in spaces and there's like the voices in your head talking to you or you're just distracted by things because I like to read books especially when I'm on the tube and you're just like reading and skimming the words and reading the words out loud but not like painting and like really taking in the visual world and creating things around it but you know what I'm working on that and I really have found some exciting books that I cannot wait to celebrate with you and talk to you about but before we talk about books we're gonna get into talking about films because why not Films were like the first thing I would say. No, music, yeah, music I would say would be the first thing that I was exposed to, I was going to say in terms of the creative industry, but films was like one of the first visual things. But I have tried to bring you, I'm not going to lie, a lot of different things from like serious to comedy to like grippiness to like period things to futuristic things. So I feel like it has a dash of everything and I hope you enjoy my picks as well as celebrate this. And also let me know when you experience all of these things, what you think about it and let let me know what you want me to experience so that maybe I'll add it to the third one or the fourth one or the fifth one and just keep going and going and going. So we're going to start off with the first film to celebrate, which is The Legend of Mola Jutt, directed by Bilal Ladhuri and co-written by him and Nazir Adib Sitar, starring Farad Khan, Mahira Khan, lots of Khans, eh? <laughs> Hamza Abbasi, Humana Malik, Goha Rashid, and the list goes on and on to name a few. Now, a couple of things what I really loved about the film, great cinematography, like so cool in terms of like it's grading, good dialogue, very, very smartly. Although I feel like could have used a little bit of a 30 minute cut. I'm not going to lie. It felt like at some point it was dragging on a little bit. I also have to give a shout out to Rehan Bashir who choreographed a beautiful um fragile but like such strengthful if that is a word choreography scene with one of the actresses is towards the end i would say you can watch it on youtube just type in the dance sequence i would say from legend of Molochet and it should come on and a thought just came into my head which kind of links back to what i was saying in regards to dance dance i feel like is often used in musical films or in hollywood or in bollywood just as a statement point like here it is here's something shiny for you to look at whereas in this which i'm going to elaborate on by the way just in a little bit but in this it was used as a medium to enhance the story and it almost didn't feel like dance but felt like physical theater so Rahan you did a brilliant job of having feel of something that was like classical folk and contemporary and so just majestic it served the story so well and I love the fact that they kept this piece because 
going back to what I was saying, as dance artists or as choreographers, sometimes what happens is you rehearse on weeks and weeks or months and months and then it gets diluted down to like 10 seconds and that's that because some big producer or they did their market research and they were just like oh it didn't feel very well or they just made a decision that the close-up of x star has to be much more important than this or the exposition that happens in storytelling as a filmmaker or as a theater maker i feel like can be calmed down and dance as a visual medium gives so many things such a breath such such joyfulness such a significant point in your memory that i feel like filmmakers out there please take a note and give dance artists and choreographers and those moments really really that breath of life and i know a lot of the dancers that work on these things like the amount of the politics that goes in there for them to be able to have those moments similar to how you're giving your a-list actors and songwriters and singers and things like that or influencers that shining moment i feel like you can come down a peg and give them the same amount of respect and value that they deserve the two other things that I really want to mention about this film is the action in this is very smart. Kind of reminded me of Kabaddi, like back in the day when we used to play Kabaddi back in Multan and Lahore. And there was a sexuality in the film which was explored in such a subtle way and not in a way of like, oh, I'm taking my shirt off, oh, I have these muscles, oh, my figure is so like this, I'm going to kiss and blah, blah, blah. It was so subtle. It was just brilliant. By the way, those are going to be like the keywords throughout all of the podcast. Brilliant, gripping gritty smart clever all of those things but before i finish anything i do want to give a shout out to this one song that is in the film and it's not perfectly pitched it's not like this big musical score that's going to change everything but it is just so humane and the song is called chan piche which is this folk song lullaby it kind of reminded me of like these lullabies my my mum or my nanny used to sing to me and if you know the spanish lullaby besame mucho it kind of has a similar feel to it so yeah loved 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 those elements to it but the world that was created the the punjabi experience that was created the fact is what i loved about this film and what i really love about the pakistani films that i usually watch there is no bashing across the border there is no sort of like this is what hinduism did to us this is what sikhism did to us this is what like india did to us or things like that this is pre-partition this post-partition there's not any of that in any of the films that i watch and i feel like Bollywood, take a note of this, especially in your period stuff, you could learn to dial it down a couple of notches. And I feel like this film did that in a very sort of gripping, just wonderful way. So I would have to give, and also like being Punjabi, coming from Multan, coming from Lahore, it just made me really happy and really joyful. And the amount of like attention that it has gotten and the records that it's broken, I feel like is something to be celebrated. Now, just a little bit about the film that it is a reboot of Yunus Malik's 1979 cult classic, Molajat. It focuses on the legendary rivalry between local hero, Molajat, which is played by Fawad Khan in the reboot, and Nuri Nat, which is played by Hamza Ali Abbasi, the leader of a brutal gang. And it tells the story from times untold where legends are written in soil with blood. A hero is born, Molajat. A fierce prize fighter with a tortured past seeks vengeance against his arch nemesis, Nurinad, the most feared warrior. 
go watch it. I believe it's on Prime now and it might be on Netflix. So yeah. Now the next film we're going to talk about is Spotlight. I can't believe I haven't watched it. It's been a while since it's been released, but it is directed. I don't know why I said, but it is directed by Tom McCarthy and written by McCarthy and Josh Singer. Now the film follows the Boston Globe's Spotlight team, which is one of the oldest continuously operating newspaper investigating journalist unit in the United States. And it investigates into the cases of widespread and systemic child sex abuse in Boston area by numerous Catholic priests. What I love about the film is the ensemble cast that it has. So from stars such as Mark Ruffalo, Michael Keaton, Rachel McAdams, Stanley Tucci. Oh my god man, the list goes on and it is told in a way which is very gripping, very smart, very transparent, very raw and I think there's a lot in there for you to dissect and really break down about the system. And I think it did it in a very honest way from a audience person or audience perspective that doesn't know a lot about it. Obviously, I feel like if you don't know about kind of like the the child sex abuse situations, let's say for a back, lack of better word in the Catholic church, then I would say read up a little bit about it. To be honest, I don't think it's just in that like, coming from a Muslim background or I know lots of friends who are Hindus have also kind of like had experiences of it. So there's definitely things in there for you to question. This movie makes me question a lot of things about society and about religion. And also I felt that as an actor, there's some great scenes in there that if you ever wanted to do scene study for your classes or just self-work to kind of like memorize lines or dive into a world that is very gripping, I would say this is really good. And if you're ever looking for a film that really feeds your brain and gets the conversations going in your head or gets the table conversations going sometimes at a party or just at an event or like little things, and you want to have like really challenging conversations I would say this is definitely the one not lighthearted at all kids this is not a lighthearted film the next film we're going to talk about I have to move on otherwise I'm just going to talk about this the next film <laughs> we're going to talk about is Pride which is a film about UK gay activists who work to help the miners during their lengthy strike of the National Union of Mine Workers in the summer of 1984 it is directed by Matthew Watchers and written by Stephen Beresford. Hopefully I'm saying that right. It's Beresford or Beresford? If I get it wrong, I get it wrong. I do apologize about it. The stars include Bill Nye, Imelda Staunton, Dominic West, Andrew Scott, Patty Constein. Oh my god, such a tremendous and brilliant cast. And what I loved about this film was that it is such a, a deathful story but has so much joy in it. And sometimes as a as a maker of like films or theaters myself i question a lot about the relevancy of the story and did it need to be told did it need to be told in this way was there a smarter way of telling a story and i think there's something really wonderful about this that we see so many traumatic or things that have such a weight to it when it surrounds like let's say coming out stories or when it's about like gay rights activism and i think what this had was a lot of unifying message unify like coming together and i think that was really wonderful and another thing which i have personally found is like this small country mindset that if you're gay you're like bashed and you know you shouldn't go to small countries or you shouldn't go if you're ethnic and i feel like having traveled like across england and wales and scotland that it's been very open arms 
And it's been actually really nice just to go. So I think there was a lot of things in there that I was like, this is a smart story and it should be told. I feel like it's one of those films that you should definitely watch as an LGBTQ person. It is just a feel good educational film. I recently was like, somebody came to me and they were like, oh, have you seen Call Me By Your Name? And I was like, why are we promoting that film? I get it, there's like a lot of things about it. But if you think about it, like the age gap between the two people is just ridiculous. And there's a lot of films out there or like Heartstopper, you as a grown person, why are you watching a twink show? What is happening here, people? Why are you championing this? Watch something that is age appropriate to yourself because I have questions on why you're loving it. Although that now saying that, I'm like, I love Disney films too. But do you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying. And also if you're a queer actor or writer coming into the industry, and I feel like this, that sometimes your first play as a writer can sometimes be so trauma-based and you're finding like nuanced ways to tell story. This is definitely a film to watch that has a lot of growth for your craft in it. A lot of like nutritional, juicy little moments that you can be like, oh, I can tell a story I just need to work harder and smarter. It also has that feeling of liberation and love, which I feel we all need in some capacity. So definitely a feel good movie to watch with a message. Next film we're gonna talk about is called The Triangle of Sadness. Now, this film, a lot of people recommended to me and I was like, no, I'm not in the mood. It's similar to The Whale, I haven't watched it yet. And people were like, oh, you have to watch it. It is such a clever film. And I was like, yeah, yeah, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, it's on Prime, and I just renewed my Prime membership. So I was like, let me watch it. Oh my God, such a smart film. Now, I'm just going to read you a little bit of the blurb, and then I'm going to give you the thoughts. Uh, the film is about Carl and Yaya, a couple of influencers who are invited to a luxury cruise ship alongside a group of out-of-touch wealthy people. The situation takes an unexpected turn when a brutal storm hits the ship. It is written and directed by Ruben Ostland. Um, hopefully, I've said that right. If I haven't said that right, I do apologize. It stars people such as Harris Dickinson, Woody Harrelson, Charles B. Dean, Dolly DeLeon. List goes on. Again, a brilliant cast. What I love about this film, it's smart. It has so many hidden gems. You can think that it's about society, it's about fame, it's about capitalism, it's the digital space, it's about privilege, but it's told in a very smart way to a point where I could not dissect the film. I could not be like, oh, that was necessary or that wasn't necessary. And I also love the fact the ending is left on a cliffhanger. Sometimes there's this wantingness to like arc the story and finish it off. and. It wasn't like that. It was like, this is it. Make up your mind, use your imagination. And that's that. And I think that not enough can be said about this film. And I feel like you should go watch it, inhale it, come back. Tell me what you think of it. Cause I, it, it is literally brilliant, brilliant film. There's a lot of things in there as well that I felt connected to whilst I was watching. And I feel like you would be able to as well. Like I worked at Ascot as a waiter and there were all these rich people that were there all the time that were just like throwing money around. And I also know how I felt to get treated as a male model in the industry because I started in fashion. And these relationships that these influencers, I know some influencers that have created relationships just for like popularity based or some actors. So I was like, there's a lot of connections in there that I really 
like gravitated towards also the casting the casting director oh my god you did your thing it was on point so there wasn't a lot of things that i was like if anything i could fault and that was one of the annoying things about this film because it's so bloody brilliant also i'm gonna watch a film by eva longoria that she's directed or produced on i believe it's on hulu or disney and it's about the guy who did something to do with the flaming hot cheetos and i've been seeing a lot of buzz around that and i'm really excited to do that and hopefully that'll be in character number three but i do have to give a shout out before we close the chapter on films to a short film which is satara let girls dream by Sharmin obed Chinoy, produced by gloria steinem music by laura kaupman it's a story about a 14 year old girl named Bari who dreams about becoming a pilot but faces family burdens and cultural barriers as plans are made for her marriage to a much older man. Now, this was a challenging film because personally, I feel like a couple of ways about it, right? So when I watched this film, I can't remember how long it is, maybe 15 minutes shorter than that, might be a couple of minutes longer than that. I feel like personally, like having lived in Pakistan, there's a lot of things that are painted about Pakistan like it is heavily associated with Taliban there's extremism there it's not a safe country our women don't get education and things like that and certain times I do have to fight that because I was like I lived there for about like what seven eight years and my sister went to education my cousins went to education there was public schools there's private schools didn't get forced to marry although I know that things like that happen but like women can work, it's not that extreme. There's so much beauty in our culture. There's so much positivity. So certain times when stories just have that sort of narrative attached to it, I question why that we are still telling the story. And then also it was challenging because I was like, when I was dissecting it, I was like, am I meant to be dissecting it? Is this film made for me? Because sometimes when you go to a theater to watch a play and it's female led, it's female produced and everything, you're like, was this meant for me to absorb and to critique? Am I the audience person that needs to be doing it? Because I'm coming from this perspective and they're coming from that perspective. So there was a lot of like battling in terms of dissecting it. Now, having said that, why I chose this film was because it represents something and it stands for something. And I think that is something really amazing and beautiful. And the way that it's told, the score of the film itself is actually really smart. So yeah, that is why I would say watch it. One thing to elaborate on is I think my personal kind of like challenge on things is rather than sometimes telling a story, I feel like we should use our platforms to create change in terms of whether it's legislations championing for things and putting those at the forefront and even as a theater maker and filmmaker myself i want to be able to tell cleverer smarter stories and how to find new ways of doing that or adding certain nuances and i feel like a lot of these films did that but with satara i felt challenged in that nevertheless great film anyway we're going to close the chapter on films and we're going to move on to theater now mind you I haven't gone to a lot of theatre this year or last year because I just have been busy with a lot of things. However, the two theatre shows that I watch, I have to give them a shout out because they were brilliant, brilliant, brilliant and really captivated me. I will say I went to see a couple more shows and one of them I walked out with because I was just like, I can't, I really can't. This is this is just triggering me to the wrong point. So 
we shan't talk about that, but we shall talk about the wonderful plays that we're going to talk about. So the first play I'm going to talk about is Reasons You Shouldn't Love Me by Amy Trigg, which is directed by Charlotte Bennett and associate director Hannah Pascal-Keegan at Kiln Theatre. Um, what I loved about this story was it, um, let me tell you about the story firstly, it follows Juno, who was born with spina bifida and is now clumsily navigating her 20s amidst street healers, love, loneliness, and the feeling of being an unfinished project. What I loved about this is that Amy Trigg, who wrote it and performs it, one-person show, by the way, it's it's smart, it's captivating, and it's really good in terms of its dramaturgy. Whoever did the dramaturgy for this play, really, really good. It has a lot of nostalgia attached to it from a lot of references that it has, but in more than anything, Spina Bifida, using that as a focal point, it doesn't use it in a harmful, oh, woo-woo, it's me, oh, you should feel bad for me, and this is what happened to my life. It uses it in a very smart and educational way, and I think towards the end, about the happiness and the eight-year-old me, and listing 10 things for a friend, and so many wonderful, nutritious things that are in there it made the play itself and the world that amy has created smart and i feel like we need more stories like that moving on from that we're going to talk about the next play which is the accidental death of an anarchist written by dario foe and franca rame in a new adaptation by tom bowston directed by daniel reggett so smart joyful simple yet powerful set design i watched it at the lyric hammersmith strong lead oh my god the lead oh i don't know how that is a show that i feel like requires a powerhouse and i have to give you a shout out you were brilliant at it and the the supporting cast it really enhanced the performance the jokes were on point it's a story um let me just read you the blurb as the police prepare for an inquiry inquiry do you guys say inquiry or inquiry inquiry into the incident an unhinged showman known only as the maniac is arrested and brought into the station seizing the opportunity to put on a show he leads the police in an absurd recreation of their version of events exposing the cover-ups corruption profound idiocracy of an institution in free fall Hopefully that gives you a little bit of the juice. But there's a lot of things. I went to watch it with somebody who's like a theatre critic, I would say. Somebody who's really, really into the scene. And they were like, there's so many things about the police system in there that you could dissect. And I was like, yeah, you are right. And you talked about it. But I was just so captivated by the lead's performance that I was like, I can't dissect it that much. So give a shout out, giving a shout out. I believe it's revived again because I was walking by Bond Street the other day and I saw a poster about it. So if it's on, I'd say go watch it. If it's not on, read the play text, really brilliant. Also whilst I was watching it, I kept going in my head back and back. And I know I've said this before, but I was like, if you're a gymnast of the craft, like if you're an actor and you wanna like show off every single thing, you know how sometimes in show reels will be like, I wanna show crying, I wanna show sadness, I wanna show happiness, I wanna show that I can do action. This is a gymnast role as an actor so i was like if you want to explore all of those colors this is that there was a point in my life where i wanted to do all of that but i feel like oh i need some experience and work in me to be able to do that so definitely a goal role Mm, that's a nice way to put it a goal role there was another play that i really wanted to mention and it's just come into my head and it was the tammy faye 
show that I watched, which is a music, and I watched it, I think, at the Almeida. Brilliant, brilliant storytelling. I actually like that much more than the Prime version, like the film version. I think the way that it was told and the music really enhanced the experience of it. I got to meet the director and the cast afterwards because I think we watched it on premiere night and we were talking about like certain things that were added and nuanced and certain things that were true or certain things that were like fantasized or entertainmentized for it. I think it's really well written, really well produced, really well directed. Ooh, I was researching on it and it's Tammy Faye the Musical and it's music by Elton John, lyrics by Jake Shears of Sister Sisters. The book is by James Graham, directed by Rupert Gold. Gold? Gold. It's two O's, so it's two. Really, it got really great reviews. I'm just seeing the reviews right now. And in mo mainly, I'm going to try and translate what the story is about because I don't want to read the blurb for this one. It mainly focuses on Tammy Faye, which is like our central character. And I'm going to give you like bullet points slash try and explain. So like, small town girl, in a small town living in a, no, it's a small town girl Christian values has a lot of heart to her meets boy who's also Christian he wants to spread the message of the Lord they become these like religious entities almost not in the sense of like spaceship or like godly like but like these religious like entities create a Christian channel like a TV show channel become famous like filthy effing rich create a theme park from the donations and the promises of the donations of that and then things start falling apart husband by the way it turns out to be homo which when I was watching I was like homo I was like I know it I know it and I know it so bada bing bada boom things start collapsing the institution becomes scared about them and counsels them and it's just brilliant man usually I hate musicals I just want to say that and I watched the film on prime with Jessica Chastain who I think is a brilliant actress and plays Tammy Faye obviously but the story it it felt like it was lacking something in its way of storytelling for a lack of a better word and I felt the music and the the live version just really enhanced and served the story so much more you have like such powerhouse songs that are like so catchy that I was like bopping along to it and the lead oh my god the way she was belting which I found out later through the rumor mill that she was preggers so the fact she did all of that was bonkers and if she's not preggers and she still did that and that's a rumor mill shame on you rumor people but the way that you were just piping everything out was fucking fantastic I had critics sitting next to me who were like oh she's a little pitchy I was like fuck you you could never do that show you don't even sing so shut up and I feel like we all need to do that if you don't live in that world let's be conscious let's be kind and let's be constructive rather than being like oh she's a bit pitchy I was like I said I also got to talk to the cast and Jake Shears was sitting just a couple of chairs for me and I was like is that Scissor Sisters that is Scissor Sisters so yeah i also have to say this one thing that i really have found in theater sometimes the set is just there and it's not used a lot and the way they use the set like the staircases the balconies i was like watching it from i felt like a very angular visual way and i really think that out the elmeda where a musical i would think in the past wouldn't do very well it served was just like it clicked it clicked so that closes up our chapter of theater now we move on to podcasts as a podcast person myself i love listening to other people's podcasts and i've chosen three really fantastic podcasts that i feel like 
can give you like lots of different things. So the first one is called Fuck It Up Comedy Club by Kima Bob. I went to the Soho theater and it was just a spontaneous somebody couldn't attend and they were like oh do you want my ticket to go see a comedy stand-up thing and it's all by like we uh, female identifying global majority or non-binary comedians and i was like yeah i'll be up for it and they i believe turned that into a podcast i've listened to a couple of episodes and it is brilliant so this i'm just going to read you a little bit of a blurb and i also feel like laughter is the best medicine so that's why i chose it the Fuck It Up Comedy Club provides a space for comedians to experiment with material in a way they might not experience on other mixed bills. The joy of Fuck It Up is that acts get to see themselves reflected off stage by a diverse audience of women, queer people, and allies from backgrounds. The acronym Fuck stands for Femmes of Color. However, the show platforms women, gender non-conforming, non-binary, and trans-masculine performance of color, disrupting the status quo and fighting tokenism with a 100%. No white dudes on stage guarantee is why Fuck It Up is a part of a new generation of comics retelling against the old template of comedy, according to The Guardian. That's a lovely quote. So check it out. Fuck it up. It's on Spotify. It's on other platforms as well. Give it some love. Give it some subscriptionship. Also, that's how I met Baz, who has been on the podcast. And to be honest, I love female comedians. Like, I have grown up with female comedy. And I just think the way that female comedians execute, like, jokes or the way they entertain people is just brilliant. Catch word. Maybe we should do a thing. Every time I say like brilliant, grippy, gritty or something like that, you take a shot. You take a shot of something. You take a shot of a hot sipping jar. The next podcast we're going to talk about is Shut Up Evan by Evan Ross Katz. Now, I have followed Evan Ross on Instagram for a long while. And I was like, what is this person? Are they a fashion journalist? Are they a stylist? What are they? And they post really, really fascinating and funny like memes and articles. And I was like, oh, they have a podcast. So I listened to it and their podcast is, as they say, about gay shit and internet culture. Shut Up Evan is a bi-weekly podcast of LGBTQ plus culture, pop culture and internet culture into long form discussions. Each week, host Evan Ross Katz is joined by a celeb guests to discuss their early life career and to get their take on a number of topics ranging from thirst traps to their thoughts on Sarah Michelle Gellar's filmography. I think that's hilarious. I listened to the one with Rose McGowan and I was encapsulated by it and I was like, this is actually a well put together show. Usually when it's podcasts that are centering around like celebrities in terms of like their guests, I sometimes find that there's a lack of... Uh, empathy would that be the right word of real life it's kind of like this um this ooh wah 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 kind of thing i don't know what i'm trying to say but you get what i mean right if you don't get what i mean it's basically like out of touch from reality maybe and i have listened to a couple of these and the conversations around certain cultural aspects is actually really really smart so i would give it a listen and tell me what you think about it the last one that we're going to celebrate and closing up the podcast chapter is creative source with andy osho now i have followed andy's career from watching like youtube clips of her back in the day to i think she did the michael mcintyre tour and she used to do like these funny funny jokes i remember one of them which was about like 
was it that she was single and she hasn't eaten and by single she doesn't she doesn't is something to do with dating and she she was like by dating i don't mean like sleeping around a girl's got to eat something along those lines and i was like oh my god this person's really funny and her fashion was on point for one of the i remember this like black dress that she wore off it and i was like this is genius and she had like a blonde highlight anyway i say that it's a podcast series about being a creative so it's a weekly podcast discussing everything related to being creative from wealth to well-being fear to freedom legacy failure rejection success and more and what i love about this is that it really gives fruitful messages there's usually sometimes two parts to a topic so like let's say if there's social media it'll be like the benefits of it the cons of it and there'll be like bite-sized kind of like sound bites from like celebrities in it and she really dissects it and also what I loved about this is that she is on Patreon which we are now on Patreon because of Andy that she has like two tiers of it one is just you become a patron a supporter so you kind of just every month give your like five pounds to it, I believe it is and then she has a second tier which I have signed up to which is a 30 pound tier and it offers not just a shout out or like special content but it also offers mentorship and that is something that I've been like craving for and I was like this is brilliant and this is meant to be so I think give it a listen see what you think about it and let me know what you think but that closes off our podcast and we're gonna get into books which is my favorite thing to do right now the first book we're gonna get into is my sister the serial killer by forgive me if I get this wrong by Oyinkin Braithwaite. It's so brilliant. It's a short chapters, which I love in terms of like having sort of like neurodivergent dyslexic, dyslexic, dyslexic brain. And it's just like really quick and really punchy, hits you, brilliant, funny, edgy. And it's about kind of like two sisters relationship. Jealousy, it deals with that. Death, it deals with that. Well, not death, like a murder. And I want to leave it at that. And I'll put like a little blurb about it in the bio of the description below. I'm going to speed things up. Next one is How to Stop Time by Matt Haig. Oh, such a nostalgic book. It, it took me back and it really got me to paint a, a world. And I, I could imagine myself. It's, it's a book about this guy who has this sort of like a special, let's say, condition that he doesn't age. And there's like references to like Shakespeare, to the old London, to like traveling around. And it has lots of wonderful juicy things in there that I was like oh it's gripped me kind of reminded me of Age of Adeline if you've seen it with Blake Lively so and it also had a feel of a Nicholas Sparks film but just was so well written I would say check it out if you want to read a book that has that sort of elements to it so this wasn't in my book club but people have suggested it from the book club to me because he's written a couple of other books and they've said you'll like his writing style and I was like oh okay so I was like yeah why not so I'd say read it and tell me what you think about it the following two books one of the books is my favorite of all time I suggest it to every single person and I'm going to go a little bit more into detail about it I've read it I think like three times now and I'll probably read it again as time goes on it's one of those books that every time I read it I'm like oh oh and it makes me cry every single time. The book is Kabul Beauty School by Deborah Rodriguez and Kristen Olsen. The Kabul Beauty School is a tale of an extraordinary community of women, all of whom have stories to tell, who come together and learn the arts of perms, friendship and freedom, arriving in Afghanistan in 2002 
It's based off a real life story. So arriving in Afghanistan in 2002 with nothing more than a beauty school degree and a desire to help Deborah Rodriguez sets out on a course of action that would change her life and those of many Afghan women. The once proud tradition of beauty schools had been destroyed and with it Afghan women's ability to support themselves. As one of the founders of the Kabul Beauty School, she sets out training women and helping them rebuild their lives. I think what makes me, what makes this book special is it's not this sort of white savior complex. It, it tells a really beautiful story about a woman who just wanted to do her part and that's it and be kind and for others to be kind and ask for equality and fairness and i think those are things that humanly we can connect to i also think there's something about how she helps the people in kabul that it wasn't just about this beauty school and independently how she raises money and i found that aspect really beautiful and how that shifted her whole life to this country this culture which made such a special impact on her life and of course vice versa the people on hers so reading this book gave me a lot of hope and heart so i would say if you're looking for a book that is non-fiction that offers a lot of hope and heart this is the one i've followed up with deborah's career what she's doing i believe she's released a second book and I am kind of like not wanting to read that because I feel like there's this book that oh, this is this is what I needed in my life right now for something to give me a perspective and compassion. So yeah, beautiful book, beautiful book. Hopefully you're getting the emotion that I feel about this. The next book I got through my book club and I feel like it is one of the best books I have read in the last five years and it is called The Forest of Enchantments by Chitra Banerjee Divakruni. Now usually the Ramayan follows let's just say not Sita's version and this is like Sita's version so The Forest of Enchantments is told from her perspective on what happened and it follows like her, her getting captured before that her marriage and it's just written in a way where I was like, oh man, this is, oh, this is beautiful. And at the end, it really leaves you gripping. It really paints the world as well. So I don't want to say too much about it because I feel like the book does it itself. But I'll put a little blurb about it in the bio description below. It's a book about love, about womanhood, about surviving. And oh, what else can I give away? It's just a wonderful book. Yeah, I really, and I also really love the color, the cover of it. I think it's such a beautiful cover. So that will, you know what, I have to leave it there. Yeah, read the book. You're, you're fine about it. The next we're going to talk about series, which is the last thing we're going to talk about. And that is going to close up the thing. Now, I feel like coming across series is really difficult. I want something that sometimes grips me and sometimes that makes me like joyful. So I used to, like in the last couple of years, I have loved Shit's Creek, Kim's Convenience, One Day at a Time, Chernobyl, like so many things that have like gripped me. And sometimes it's hard to find certain things that can make me like switch off other than reality TV shows. But these two shows really like gravitated me. And I feel like it's a, it's a nice mix that I'm giving. The first is on Apple TV's The Morning Show, which is created by Jay Carson and Kerry Aaron. And of course, starring Jennifer Aniston, Reese Witherspoon, Steve Carell, Billy Crudup, and just an amazing cast such as like Greta Lee. The list goes on and on and on. And it's an inside look at the lives of the people who help America wake up in the morning 
such as The Morning Show, exploring the unique challenges faced by the team. It is a brilliant behind the scenes take on something. It is, what I love about it is like, in terms of when an episode finishes, it literally picks up from that, especially when they did season one to season two, how they picked up, how it's like told, how they dealt with COVID. Although I think sometimes it was like dragged on a little bit and the whole Reese Witherspoon's hair color situation was a little bit, I was like, what is happening? What is happening? But in terms of how it's written and the showrunner and how they've kind of like produced it and the writers, it's very small, very, very small and very entertaining at the same time. And it kind of encapsulates for me, even though it it fantasizes this like high class working life and there's a lot of like things about what it means to succeed in the business and the things that you kind of have to let go of in terms of your ethics or not your ethics and the cover-ups and the politics and the games and networking blah 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 it still sells a dream of what it means to be in that world so if you're passionate about something and dissecting it what it means to be thriving in that and what it takes to stay there. So that is why I loved it for that. It was also really nice to see Steve Carell and Jennifer Aniston in these like muggy, gritty roles. Ooh, shot time again. But also I think the bigger conversation I walked away with was, firstly, I have to say, What's, what's happening right now in the UK with the whole Philip Schofield situation. It kind of mirrors that. And I was like, whoa, 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 what's happening? I even tweeted it to somebody. <laughs> we were just, what is happening? But the bigger conversation that I walked away with, we're kind of in this space that we are confronting things. We're calling them out. We're canceling people. And rightfully so, there should be a lot of noise and conversation and movement around that. But I... I'm wondering what is the justification of it. So for instance, in this specific show, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, Steve Carell's character is accused of being, well, he's not accused of being, he rapes some people and he's accused of that and he loses his job. And there's a conversation he has with somebody else who's a predator and he talks about the fact he wants to change the narrative of how we can move the needle forward. What can we do to change things? So are we meant to vilify people and then that's it, send them to jail or that's it? I believe I'm paraphrasing. But how does that move the needle forward? What does that do for society? And it made me kind of think of like prison reform. We vilify people, we do all of these things, but the mental aspect of it, how can we do things that changes the next person so that they don't do it? Is it legislation? Is it therapy? Is it not vilifying people, but putting them in rehabilitation? That Like, what is it? So it was really interesting to have a conversation with people and myself about that. And also there was a scene in there I can't remember the actress name, but she's the show producer. And she, at one point, there's just rumors about her sleeping with Steve Carell's character. And you don't want to become a victim of that. And I thought that was so powerful because that is also not what you want to be known for. You don't want other people's opinion. You sometimes just want to do the job. So there was a lot of conversation from this and the way that it's shot as well, which I think I've said before, brilliant short time and the next show that is gonna close up everything i feel like i'm really into joyfulness like i always talk about and this show i have watched it on theater i've watched two versions of it and it is called the goes wrong show on bbc now it's created by the same company who did the play goes wrong and the magic goes wrong 
has the cast in it. The program stars the ensemble members of the Mischief Theatre Company who reprise their roles as the members of the fictitious theatre company. And there's like so many wonderful episodes in there. I believe there's two seasons, if not three seasons. They do like a Christmas version. They do like a period version. And it is absolutely hilarious. It has me pissing out of my head there was a courtroom one which is hilarious where the set goes like really tiny and how they perform in this tiny little set and i think it not think how it combines like the world of theater and like television together i thought was like really really brilliant so if you're looking for something that's like family friendly and that gives you lots of like joy and laughter I would just go on BBC and watch it and stream it. I think you can also get it on Prime if you don't get BBC where you're at. Um, but, but I would just like, for joyfulness, really, really watch that. I also think sometimes in theatre world, you need more joyfulness and funny shit. Like the other day I met a producer and I was like, I wonder what the success of something would be if I was just to write complete, utter shit. I just want to write that and have it be joyful and how that would be. And this show kind of reminded me of also of like sketch comedy. So I would say check it out for the lols because it has a lot of lols. Anywho, that brings us to the end of our batch number two of Karak Jai. I hope you thoroughly enjoyed that. I know I have loved celebrating all things such as this from theater, film, series, podcast to books. I cannot wait to share with you the next batch and the next batch and the next batch. I'm gonna put all of the information down of all of this in the description of the podcast. I hope you enjoyed this. I will leave you as I always do, which is breathe in, breathe out. I have a little bit of a hay fever by the way, so if you heard a little bit of a snot in there, just go with it, just roll with it. <laughs> but I will leave you as I always do, which is breathe in, breathe out, go. which means go. that is copyrighted and I will sue, but <laughs> stay curious and until next time.